Welcome to Good Times, the Locked On Heat interview show featuring conversations with interesting people in sports, media, and entertainment. I'm Wes Goldberg, and today I'm joined by Joel Anthony, the former Miami Heat center and current general manager of the CEBL's Montreal Alliance. Joel joins me on the 10-year anniversary of the Heat's 2012 championship, the first of LeBron's career and of the Big Three era. We talk about what it was like to play in the finals under so much pressure against a young Thunder team with nothing to lose, and what could have happened had they lost, and how they celebrated after they won, plus much more. Enjoy. All right, it's the 10-year anniversary of the first title of the Big Three era, and to talk about it, we are joined by Joel Anthony. Joel, thanks so much uh, for taking some time to uh, come on the pod. Uh I want to discuss what led you to becoming the GM of the Montreal Alliance here in a minute. First, let's go back to those 2012 finals um, against the Thunder. You guys won in five games, but I don't think a lot of people really remember just how competitive that series was and the fact that you guys did lose game one. Um, before winning you know, those next four games, what do you remember about that first loss and what was said in that locker room amongst you guys as players and coaches that might've helped you guys win that series? Um, well, after, after that loss, uh, I think, you know, there was, there was no, no panic. I won't say no, no concern because obviously, you know, this was, this was the finals. Um, there was just an understanding, you know, within that group that we, we just had to get one, you know, that was, that was the biggest thing. Like we just had to get one. They got this one at home. You know that's fine. We're okay. You know we're still in a in a good situation, and you know all we had to do is get one. And, and so, you know, just uh, switched our we switched our focus. You know, really quick memory, obviously, and you know, obviously focused on on what we had to do in terms of making some changes, some adjustments, and you know we're we're able to uh, you know take care of business in game two. And but the, that was that was really the biggest message is just that you know we just need one. You know we're fine. We've we've been here before, and you know it was it was just about you know executing from there. And you know going into that series, a lot of people were picking OKC, right? You had Young Durant, Westbrook, James Harden. You guys, of course, were just coming off of losing in the finals to the Dallas Mavericks, and I think that and and what was a really tough sort of uh, process to get through the Eastern Conference, where the Thunder were really kind of that new thing that everybody was really excited about. Did you hear? All of that stuff on the outside. Did you guys and 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 if you did, did you guys know amongst yourselves that you were that you were better than them? Were you confident in that? Uh, I wouldn't say that. You know, I was hearing uh, that that they were the favorites. Um, to us, you know, we felt that you know they're going to be you know extremely good. You know, obviously everyone you know in in the league um, and all the fans, everyone saw the talent that they had. And and knew that you know this was obviously a special group, and we understood that too, you know. And so, and and but going into that, you know, definitely didn't take that for granted in terms of how talented that that they were. But with us, you know, I think the the biggest thing was that it was you know to we were just saying that it wasn't you know like their time. Yeah, this was you know our time where you know we were ready. We had you know we felt we have gone through the battles to you know be prepared you know for this moment. And, you know, this team is going to be good. And we're expecting to see that team in, in the finals for, you know, like a lot of years to come. But, 
you know, this time, you know, here, like we, we felt like this was, you know, the time for us. And so, you know, we, we definitely, uh, you know, weren't in any situation uh, in any way, you know, underestimating them. Uh, we, we knew how good with, uh, they were. And, um, you know, it, but it was about us, you know, uh, the focus was on us in terms of us taking care of business the way we're supposed to. Did you guys feel the pressure considering that you had lost the first time in the finals the last year? Uh, like, what was that like, that pressure cooker? Yeah, there, there was definitely, like, the expectations. <laughs> uh, everyone really understood that, especially going going into that second year. Um, you know, we've, we obviously, you know, the high expectations, you know, for, uh, for a championship, um, you know, really championship or bust, you know, with, with that team. Like, that, those were the expectations to be, you know, about a, even, you know, even that first year, you know, we we're, were put together. So, you know, obviously we, we had to deal with losing the finals the year before, having a lockout season. So you're just kind of sitting mulling in that for, for that entire time. And then once we got into the season, you know, we we knew that there was, you know, going to be extreme pressure for us. I wouldn't say it was, you know, it was the type of pressure, though, that you would, you know, want and to understand you have to be competitive because, you know, there's consequences if you, you know, if, if you're not able to, to win, if you're not able to deliver. And so uh, I would say we felt that, but not in a way that it would affect us negatively. You mentioned some of the consequences there and how that, you know, the team could have broke up like that. That's something that you guys felt that, you know, that big three experiment had you guys not beaten OKC in those finals. That could have been it. Like, the, the, How different do you think the team looks the next year if for some reason you guys aren't able to pull that off in 2012? Yeah, well, we really have no idea. You know, we have no idea what will happen. And I think, you know, I also understand in the league that nothing is promised. <laughs> so there's no guarantees. You know, even though you know, outside of you know contracts guaranteed, but like where where you're gonna be if you're gonna be with that team, like that's that's never a given, regardless of who you are. You know, we've seen it countless times throughout the years within the league, and we understood that that was no different, uh, no, no different with us. You know that you know that there there easily could have been, you know, other other changes, you know, different personnel changes that that could have been made. If you know uh, we as a group, you know what we're, we're not able to uh, to get it done. So um, you know there's there there is definitely an understanding of that collectively. And like I said, like I feel that you know had us more focused in terms of what we needed to do um, to be ready. Um, you know, for when, once we were able to be in a situation where we're back in the finals. Yeah. So you guys win. Game five in Miami, you win the finals. The whole party's there. Uh, well, where's the after party after that game? Tell me about that night immediately after winning game five, winning that championship. What, what's like? What's your memory from that time? Uh, I remember how the the rush of emotion when uh, uh, when when the clock finally went down, um, and it finally you finally saw saw the zeros on the clock, and then you know ready and everything starts coming down you know fans and coming onto the court uh it was you know you you start having all those emotions from everything that you've been through you know all of it just kind of comes rushing back and it happens all at once you know it's just like literally this this wave of you know emotions that's that's just right when it happens and you know it goes on all 
the way through, like when we, you know, go on to the on to the podium and we're able to, you know, uh, everyone's able to, you know, uh, be there with the trophy picture and it's, you know, all this, you know, excitement. You see, like the whole feels like the whole city is is there in the arena, you know, watching and you know, hearing and is obviously, you know, just one of the happiest moments, you know, you could have. Then in the locker room, we're able to celebrate with each other, you know, and then that's, you know, a whole moment right there, you know, able to, you know, spraying champagne everywhere. And it's, it, it, it's, it's a feeling of, you know, to, to really be satisfied that you've, you've accomplished this huge goal that you've, you, you've set, like really like the biggest goal as, you know, professional athletes you have when, when you join a team, like this is, you know, literally the ultimate, you are champions. You know, and so, so to to finally get to that point, it, it's just so much, you know, so much emotion. Like everyone has gone through some things, um, had to sacrifice so much, you know, to to get to that point. And, you know, that the, that's when you see that it's worth it. You know, everything that you've been through, all the work that you put in, um, the battles you've gone through with the people that, uh, that 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 you've been able to play with, like that's that's what it's been about. And you, you just, you know, you feel all that, you know, as soon as, uh, you know, when, when that's all over, you know, it's the, 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 that's really the feeling kind of going through the entire, uh, the entire night. And when do you get home the next day? Like, what, what point are you home the next day? The next, well, after that, we went, well, the, the one thing we went to, uh, went to live yep. um, after that. So there is, there's a celebration there in the locker room. There's a celebration after up. Uh, upstairs in uh, over by our practice facility where all of our families were mm-hmm. so there's more celebration there and so we're there i don't know it was like one in the morning or something we we're for you know for a while and then everyone went to to live after big part of the reason because when we lost in dallas dallas decided to celebrate at live it was a big thing, you know, obviously live, you know, a really big club, especially then, um, you know, to, uh, you know, for, for people to go out, uh, you know, enjoy their nightlife in Miami. So, you know, for, for them to celebrate like in our city, like at one of, you know, the biggest clubs, you know, right. so we wanted to, you know, to kind of erase that a little bit and just kind of get that, you know, behind what happened, but, you know, it does feel territory. better to, to go over there. And now we could just, yeah, exactly. Exactly, you know, coming back to remark our territory, and uh, so we we had our, uh, our the, the the last party at least that night was uh, was there, and so um, and, you know we finished that, 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 that. That's pretty much how how the night finished with uh, at least one. It was just great, you know, because everyone was what was together. You know, the entire team, whole organization, was all out there. Um, you know, at uh, every step away because, you know, we had all done that together and we all celebrated together. It was uh, it was a great feeling, a great night, you know, truly a great night. And for you, you started 51 games for the Heat that season. Uh, playoffs, things change. Chris Bosch gets hurt in game one against Indiana in, the, in that second round series. Uh, and then Spolstra eventually sort of tilts his lineups to go smaller, right? And he starts Shane Battier at forward. And all that stuff. What do you remember about Spo's decision? Um, and what did he tell you guys when he made that change? And then, you know, obviously Chris Bosch comes back and he starts playing at, at center. He starts at center. And that small ball 
kind of uh, uh, change really, I think, is sort of what tilted the NBA Finals in a way that you guys were able to win in five games. What do you remember about that and, so, and, and like the specific adjustments that you guys had to make to do that? Uh, yeah, it was, you know, obviously it was, it was a great adjustment for, for, uh, for us. Um, you know, once we, you know, when, when CB came back in, uh, Boston, um, you know, uh, at the, uh, at the end of the Boston series, you know, and, and especially, you know, the way he came back hitting those, you know, big clutch threes in, the in the corner, um, it was, you know, really, you know, like Spo obviously realized that, you know, this is something that, you know, with him back there, you know, we we had more of the versatility that, you know, we would be able to use to our advantage, you know, in, you know, obviously to finish out that, but also going into the next one. And with with OKC, you know, it definitely helped, helped a lot because, you know, at that point we had, you know, Shane was was guarding Kedrick Perkins. And, you know, with uh, CV uh, dealing with Ibaka, we were able to play small with guys with, you know, D-Wade, Braun, and uh, Mario. Um, you know, so we were able to have a really good offensive lineup. And we weren't, you know, like completely getting, um, you know, we weren't getting hurt as badly, um, you know, from, from playing small ball. You know, and so it was something that... You know, what was actually a huge advantage for us because you know uh, defensively we're still able to, um, you know, get stops uh, and and rebound. So it was, uh, you know, it was, it was something that also that you know well, when you go small, it's something that has to be done collectively. Um, and and everyone was really you know to, together to 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 be able to do that. You know, obviously in terms of you know what you're giving up size, so you know you you have to be to to band together and. You know the, the the guys you know like did a did a great job of that, so it, it was it really was a great adjustment. And you saw and you you know seen since then, you know how you know how big small ball has been, um, you know uh, within the league. Were you surprised that they didn't stop playing Kendrick Perkins as much when you guys went small and were clearly had that advantage? Uh, I was uh, I was a little bit surprised, but you know you. You you know hindsight is twenty twenty. Sure. You, you could say well they 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 should change and, and you know gone a different way, but you know Kendrick was you know a, a big part of that team and you know his you know his his phys- physicality and um you know what he's able to bring is you know part of the reason that they're there in the finals. So um, I think um, going you know you know continue with them you know was was a decision that you know it's. It you know it could work you know work in your favor it could not you know you you would have thought at some point there there would have been a bit more of an adjustment for it but um you know the we'll never know at this point um but uh yeah it was something that you know you you thought may have changed but you know like I said they 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 gotten there with that same group you know playing that playing that way so. Um, you know, that, that, that's just a decision that, that they have to go with. So you're in your first season now as GM of the Montreal Alliance, uh, which is a new team to the CEBL um, this season. Kind of tell me, how did that, yes. uh, how did you become to be the GM of this team? Uh, so it started uh, about um, two years before. Um, I had um, I just uh, recently retired. 
and so not sure exactly what I was going to do um, after with uh, uh, with ball. Um, and so the you know I, I heard about the league the year uh, the year before. So my, my last year playing, I heard about the league, hearing about it starting up and uh, going into um, my retirement. Um, I, the Hamilton Honey Badgers uh, were uh, their GM was one of my uh, former teammates, Jermaine Anderson, and so. Uh, he had, he talked to me. I want you to you know come you know come by like maybe help out with the guys, maybe do some assistant coaching. Like I, I was kind of looking into into some things uh, coaching wise. I'd worked with the uh, players association in their coaching program and trying to figure out what I wanted to do after. And so it it just it just kind of worked out that uh, I ended up being with that team for you know those uh, those next two uh, two seasons, uh, helping out as um, you know in coaching player development and but I from being there and kind of shadowing a little bit um you know our 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 GM I really wanted to look into the front office you know that was something that uh was was definitely an interest to me and uh, I was um I was really looking forward to you know an opportunity to you know find different ways to, to get in there. I wasn't sure what was going to happen. And so when this, uh, when the Montreal team was announced, um, I, I just, I had a, had a conversation with the commissioner and, you know, I said that, you know, I really wanted to be involved and we were, we we're going to work to see, you know, in terms of what, um, in what way that would be possible. And, you know, they were really, you know, after a while really pushing for that, uh, that GM role because, it was something that had uh, that, that was given to you know so some different players uh, throughout you know the, throughout those years um, you know Jermaine Anderson who I played with Javon Shepard one of my former teammates as well uh, was a GM the the year before um, and you know Jermaine Smalls who you know had played but had been coaching for a while uh, was a GM and coach so you you're having like a, a lot of former players that were um, getting opportunities you know for these uh gm roles and so it's uh you know it, it was something that that just worked out really well you know obviously being being from montreal having a chance to you know go back to you know the, the city that i was born uh born and raised in uh is is, is huge and the the personal aspect of it that's you know where, where this you know truly does mean something for me to be able to do something like this in the city uh is something that i couldn't pass up on so you know, I was really excited to, you know, finally make the decision um, to, uh, you know, to, to accept the job as uh, general manager. Yeah, who knew that 2012 Heat team had two GMs on that roster between you and James Jones <laughs> with the Phoenix Suns. Did you, yeah. did you, like, even when you were playing, did you ever think about a front office role? Because you mentioned coaching before, but did you ever think about a front office role? No, 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 I, I didn't. Honestly, like, I, I thought... Probably later on in my career, I thought maybe something coaching player development because as a vet, especially when once I got to uh, Detroit, you know, working with uh, a lot of the young guys, like really because like that's where I really had like more of a veteran role. And that's, you know, kind of started to, you know, tweak my interest a little bit. You know, I had, uh, you know, I've had people say like, hey, like when, you know, when, when you're done, like just, you know, I know you're not done yet, but just maybe keep you know keep your thoughts open to you know possibly you know joining a coaching staff or like you know getting involved in some type of way and so uh 
but the front office wasn't something at the time I had thought, you know, too much about. And as just, just as I was wrapping up uh, playing, I knew, you know, I was going to have a couple more years. That I was going to play at least, you know, still, you know, playing, feel good about, um, you know, myself on the court. I, uh, I started to think a little bit about, it, but honestly, like didn't really see, see it at first. But it's just it's just something that really developed organically, honestly. It's just as I was going through the process, um, it went into coaching, then started to form morph into different front office roles, looking into scouting, and it, you know, I was just fortunate to to be in this position now to that there was uh, you know an opportunity like this. Last question for me: um, You had like two different nicknames during your time. In Miami, you had the Warden, which seemed to be more of like a fan nickname for you, and then Doc, which I, you know, yeah. I heard that the, you know, your teammates would would call you Doc. Uh, which was the better nickname? Which nickname do you think you liked more? Uh, definitely, well, definitely Doc, because that's what everyone called me. <laughs> so, you know, nobody, no, no, nobody in Miami called me Joel, except for like maybe some people in the front office. So, like. Pat, you know, RGM, and Andy Ellsworth, like, like pretty much, you know, but people in the front office were probably the only ones that called me Jock, but all, every teammate that I had in Miami, all the coaches, like everyone, and, and so even people that they knew, so friends, so if, if I was in Miami and I heard like Doc, like I knew it was someone that like I actually, you know, I actually, I either played with or, you know, was involved with, or at least were friends of people that knew me because that's all anyone called me. So, you know, that was probably uh, the nickname that I was just more more used to because it felt like a nickname. The Warden was more, um, I appreciated it a lot because, you know, it was something from the fans. Right. You know, the, the, that was more like, like from the fans in terms of, you know, like how they, you know, felt about me in terms of what I was able to bring defensively um, and, and that type of appreciation. So, you know, it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit different. Like, there's definitely like a lot of appreciation for you know for 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 both, but definitely the warden in terms of what it meant from from the fans because the fans have been you know amazing um, you know during my time there, um, and even after you know uh, you know being back in uh, in Miami, I still have a place there, and um, you know being able to see people you know throughout uh, throughout my time there, you know the fans have been amazing in Miami, so. Um, you know, and still, and I'll still hear that. And, you know, you, you know, it's, you know, from, you know, some, 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 some really great Heat fans, um, you know, so I, I really appreciate both. Um, obviously there's, there's a more personal side to, to doc though. And, uh, are they calling you doc in Montreal or is it just boss now? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a little, it's, it's a little different, you know, where everyone, it, it's funny in, in Montreal, it's, you know, Mr. Anthony, you know, um, Mr. Anthony, you know, very, very respectful. Um, it's, so it's a little bit different, you know, going into meetings and meeting different people outside the city and, you know, that that's what you're always, um, you're always hearing. Um, yeah, but no, I, I don't think, you know, anyone really knows, like too many people outside, like don't really know, you know, me as as doc or no even that's that's my nickname you know if, if, if someone heard it they'd be like who are they you know probably say who are they talking about you know they don't they don't know so well yeah. mr anthony i do very much appreciate the time uh today uh and good luck for the rest of the season thank you thank you thank you very much i appreciate it thanks for having me wow.